Before we go any further, I want to stop and I want to praise the Lord. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for a beautiful day that we can come out here and praise your holy name. I want to thank you so much that Kelly is back with us today for the first time since her surgery. Amen, Lord. Thank you. Praise you. Thank you for others who made it here today. Uh, And we're so thankful for them. Lord, I want to continue to lift up my dear brother, DJ Stoneman, who's so, so sick. God, we lift him to you and we pray for healing. We pray for help for him and his wife and his kids and everyone who cares about him. Lord, so many people in our community need you. We praise you, Lord. We know that you reign in Jesus' name. Amen.
good morning to you, and welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. I want to let you know, whether it's your first time or you've been here from the very beginning, our motto is, no matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved by God and by us. I'm so thankful for a beautiful day to be out here. It's not so long ago that we were standing out here freezing. We made it through the winter, and summertime is coming, and we worked this Friday to kind of get the building ready. Still don't know when we'll get in, but we're getting a little closer. We made a mess, and we cleaned up a mess on Friday. I'll let you know the next day we're going to work on the building in case some folks want to come and help. I know some folks wanted to make it last time, and they couldn't. So we've been doing this thing for a while now. It was a little over a year ago when we all kind of got to share the same frustration of feeling like we're, we're stuck, feeling cooped up. It was about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, that uh, we were asked to stay home by various government agencies, and, and, and some of us stayed home, some of us didn't, but even if you got out, there was nowhere to go because all the fun stuff was canceled. Didn't get to play church league basketball or softball last year, and uh, that was not good for me and my waistline. I need to play some church league sports and kind of run the tubby off every year. Didn't get that this year. So, you know, have you guys felt at any point in the last year, have you felt a little cooped up? Felt a little cooped up? Yeah, I see some some nodding. We're not even going to beep for that. We're like, no, I just, I'm not even going to beep. I'm not excited enough about being cooped up to even beep. But yeah, we've all felt kind of cooped up and like there's places we'd like to go and either can't go or, or it's no longer happening. But you don't have to uh, feel, you don't have to be cooped up to feel stuck. Nobody likes feeling stuck. I hate to feel stuck. You know, stuck in, uh, you ever felt like you're stuck in a, in a place you didn't want to be? Maybe stuck in a job that really was not that fulfilling or kind of not doing what you needed to do, stuck at home or stuck at work or stuck in class, stuck in traffic, stuck in an awkward conversation. I find myself in that a lot. I'm afraid that most conversations I'm in are a little awkward, and that's probably because I'm in them. That's what makes them awkward. Stuck in a mess, stuck in a town, stuck in a house. I've been stuck in a house before that I was having a hard time selling. That wasn't very fun. Stuck in circumstances that give you stress. Stuck with struggles and worries and doubts and needs that aren't being met. Stuck in a relationship that's not healthy. Any kind of situation where you find yourself saying, man, I don't, I don't want to be in this. That stuck feeling in it, it begins to take a toll. That instinct, when you are stuck, is to get unstuck as fast as you can. But what about when you can't just get unstuck? You know, you might feel stuck in a job sometimes, but you might not just be able to walk in and quit, you know. That's not always an option. And you probably aren't going to be able to quit on your family. They they need you to not quit. You won't be able to quit on them. You might not be able to quit on some of your responsibilities. So what happens when we're, we're stuck in a spot and we can't really get ourselves unstuck for one reason or another? That can be discouraging. But I want to, let, I want to float this idea to you, that sometimes the place you don't want to be is the place you need to be, at least for a while. 
I'm going to say that again. The place you don't want to be might be the place you need to be. The most important example of that in my life happened several years ago. It snowed on Thursday, January 17th that year. Normally, I would never remember that, but I know it for a fact. It snowed on Thursday, January 17th because of what happens on Friday, January 18th of that same year. See, normally on a Friday, I would have taken the kids to school and I would be in my office. I had an office at that point. I'd be working on the sermon for Sunday. Friday is a big sermon preparation day, kind of getting everything finished. And I would have been in my office at my desk doing what I felt like I was supposed to be doing. But I couldn't do that because it was a snow day. And I was snowed in, or I thought I was snowed in. And the kids were having a snow day. All right, kids, do you remember snow days? Man, snow days were awesome. I'm so sorry. The pandemic might have ruined snow days for kids and for teachers because of virtual learning. Now you're never really going to have a snow day. You're going to have a virtual school day. And I can see the angry glares from the school-age kids and maybe some teachers too. Like, ah, the snow days, where did they go? It was a snow day, and that was before all of this, so snow days did exist. But because it was a snow day, I wasn't where I thought I was supposed to be because I kind of felt this urgency that, man, Sunday's coming. Let me tell you what, y'all. Let me just put it like this. I've been doing this a while, so maybe I look pretty comfortable up here, but uh, I still get pretty nervous. The two number one fears of humanity are, are number one is death and closely followed by public speaking. So it's kind of intimidating to stand in front of a bunch of people and open your mouth and hope that what comes out of your mouth is going to work, you know. So I'm nervous about that sometimes. So I'm thinking, man, i got to get this sermon on. i got to do I, I don't want to be stuck at home right now. It, it's where I didn't want to be. But it turned out to be a very good thing that I was there. I needed to be home that day. I didn't know it, but God knew it. Because that was the day that my wife, Katie, fell in the floor with massive internal hemorrhaging and bleeding. And if I had not been there that day, it would have been bad. It would have been a tragedy like nothing else we've ever experienced because she would not have made it if I hadn't been there. That's not where I wanted to be. That's not where I planned to be, but that is where I needed to be. Otherwise, she would not have made it because she could not have made it a foot. If the phone was a foot away, it would not have worked. So I was there, and, and I, I praise God that, that I was... I was there. It's impossible to overestimate the impact that would have had on my family. But even though some of you didn't know us at the time or maybe didn't know us as well, it would have impacted you too. Because let me tell you, maybe y'all don't see a lot of my wife, Katie, on Sunday mornings because of her health problems. She's usually here on Sunday night. But there would be no recreate without Katie. There'd be no recreate. This dream could never have happened without her. She has been such a driving force behind all of this, and, and I'm so thankful for her. Okay, I get that was um, That was a pretty heavy story to start the sermon out with, right? So I kind of get that, man, telling the story about your wife nearly dying and all that. I get it. That was, that was pretty heavy, but even so, the base principle holds all the same. Sometimes the place you don't want to be, is right where you need to be. 
at least at that time. So just because we're frustrated or, or tired of being stuck in a place we don't want to be, even when we're surrounded by enemies or struggles, does not mean God has stopped working. Just because your life seems to have stopped moving doesn't mean God has stopped working. Even if you're stuck in a situation where you don't want to be, God can use it to bless it, bless you and grow you and make you ready for what's ahead. So listen, listen, get this. God does some of his best work in our lives when we feel like we're stuck. We've been studying, following the story of a man named David in the Old Testament. David is this warrior king, and, and if you've missed any of these messages, go back and pick them up on YouTube or on the podcast. They're all there now. I got those caught up. And you can see how he's been through so much. Early on, he's just kind of living his life, and then the prophet comes up to him and tells him he's going to be king, but he doesn't get to be king right away. It's another half his life again before he's, you know, he's twice as old as he was when the prophet told him he's going to be king as when he actually became king. And in all that time, he's lived through so much. He was drafted to be a musician in the court of King Saul. Then he shows up at a battle one day and kills a giant, and suddenly he's in the army. He goes from a musician to being in the army, and because he people like him so much, King Saul, the king at the time, grows so jealous that he starts throwing spears at him and trying to kill him, and David finally runs away, and Saul's been chasing him all over the country, and it's, it's been pretty discouraging. I can't imagine how I would feel if I'd been through something like David. At this point, he's pretty down, and he's going to end up in a place he didn't really want to be, living a life he didn't really want to live, surrounded by enemies, literally living in enemy territory. And yet, that is where God is going to bless him and make him ready to finally become king. So maybe we can learn something about David's story when we feel stuck, how God can work when we feel stuck. Just because we're stuck doesn't mean God is stuck. He's working. This story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 27, that's where we're going to start. We're going to read a bit of that. We'll also pick up some of 1 Samuel chapter 29. So David is tired of always being on the run. King Saul has had an army after him, chasing him all over the countryside, and David is finally going to run somewhere that King Saul won't follow. He is going to run straight into the arms of their greatest enemy. So 1 Samuel 27.1 reads like this. I'm going to read this. I'm going to say a prayer for us. And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. And if you'll pray with me, Heavenly Father, please show us that even when we feel stuck. You are not stuck, and you're working, and you're moving, and I, I want to pray that you awaken our hearts to the truth that you're preparing us for what is to come. In Jesus' name, amen. So in those days, the Philistines were the greatest enemies of the people of Israel. All through that part of the Old Testament, that's who they're fighting all the time. It's always the Philistines. So Saul, the king of Israel, even though he's very 
desirous to catch David is not going to go into Philistine territory with an army because that would provoke open war with the Philistines, and he does not want that. That is not something he can live with. Even as crazy as he has become, he's not going to march an army into the Philistine territory because he's going to have a fight on his hands. So David is, is gone to the land of the Philistines. But is it really so much better for David? All right. What was the thing David is most famous for? Killing a giant, and the giant's name was Goliath, and Goliath was, what was his nationality? He was a Philistine. David's biggest claim to fame was killing a Philistine champion. And he is going to go into the land of his enemies. He's going to go to the very town that Goliath was from. He was Goliath of Gath. David is going to go right into the town of Gath. And he's going to ask the king of Gath if he can stay. Now imagine, let's see, try to put this into context. I want you to think of somebody right now that you do not get along with at all. Maybe the person who does not like you and you don't like them so much, you love them in Jesus' name, but you don't like them. Imagine that person, that one person who you get along with the least. What would happen if you walked up, knocked on their door and said, hey, can I crash on your couch for a while? How would that go over? Well, we live in the South, so you might be staring down the barrel of something if you go knocking on someone's door like that. You know, Yeah, it probably would not go over very well. I can think of a few people who I don't think would probably let me in the house. Um, you know, even, even good guys have enemies. Jesus had enemies. So if, if some people don't get along with you, that's, that's okay. But imagine David here is coming into enemy territory and looking for shelter. That's, that shows you how desperate he was and also how it would never work unless God made it work. And David is not alone. David has his family with him. He's got a few kids at this point. David also has 600 warriors following him, and many of them have wives and kids. So it's a lot of people. You know, it may be a couple thousand people possibly showing up in the city of Gath, which is the main city of the Philistines at this time, kind of like the capital. So what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? David shows up. He goes to the king of Gath and says, hey, can I crash on your couch for a while? Me and uh, my 600 buddies and their wives and kids. How do you think that's going to go? Well, Will God bless David even in the midst of his enemies because he is in enemy territory? Will God bless him even though he's in a place he never would have imagined being, didn't want to be, didn't plan to be? Will God bless him? Will, will God bless you or me when we're stuck in circumstances we never counted on being in? And the answer is yes. God can bless you even in the place you feel like you're stuck. God can bless you. God moved in the heart of the king of Gath, the leader of the Philistines, and to our surprise, he let David and his people stay. That's just amazing. Why would he agree to that? Well, my theory is that, yes, the Lord moved his heart to give David shelter, but, but the king of Gath, he, he wasn't a believer. He wasn't really a good guy. But he probably assumed that since David was on the run from King Saul of Israel, since King Saul was treating David as an enemy, the king of Gath assumed that David would treat Saul as an enemy. 
And the old saying is, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So the king of Gath figured, hey, we'll take David in since he's on the run from Saul and he'll help us fight against Saul. The king of Gath was sure that David would want to get revenge and most people would. Saul had tried to kill David many times, thrown spears at him, tried to pin him to the wall, been chasing him around for years. Most people would want to get back at the person who's hurting them, but we learned last week that David refused to become like the person who hurt him. That's good advice for you and me. People are going to hurt us sometimes, and we have the choice of whether we're going to become like the people that hurt us or we're going to be like Jesus who didn't fight back even when they were nailing him to the cross. Even when he was pierced with a spear, he didn't fight back. He trusted God to set things right. That's what David has done. He's trusting God to set things right. He turned down at least two opportunities to kill King Saul. He wouldn't do it. Now, the king of Gath doesn't understand this. He figures, oh yeah, David, he'll fight for me because Israel and Saul, they've treated him so badly. So he's working under the assumption that David is on his side, that David would turn against Israel when the truth is that David was always for Israel. God had called him to be the king of Israel, and he's going to do what he can to help Israel at this time. So the king of Gath allows David to to come into the country and stay, and eventually he gives David and his followers a town of their own to live in. The name of the town David and his followers lived in is Ziklag. What a name. Z-I-K-L-A-G. Ziklag. Not a place he wanted to be. Well, I mean, that just sounds bad. The name Ziklag, it has lag in it. Lag. Lag is a word for slow internet service. Everybody hates lag. Everybody hates slow internet. Hate it so much. We've been having internet trouble at the house, and we have to, like, say, hey, Turn your phone off. Turn this off so we can do this. Lag is terrible. Lag is especially terrible if you play online games because, you know, you're trying to, in real time, compete. And see, some people say that uh, video games make people violent. I don't think so. Lag in video games might make people violent. Uh, Yeah, I think I broke a pair of earphones one time. I'm kind of ashamed to say. But anyway, nobody likes lag. David doesn't want to be in lag. And he's stuck in Ziklag for 16 months. One year and four months he's in Ziklag. And he, uh, it's not the place he planned to be. It's not the place he wanted to be. But it turns out it was the place he needed to be for the time. But we, we look at this. David doesn't want to be there. He wants to be in Israel, right? That's the place where he's supposed to be king. And now he's stuck in Ziklag. And he's probably asking himself, what is the point of this? Have you ever been stuck in a situation where you find yourself saying, man, what's the point? What's the point of even getting up and going? What is the point of any of this? Why am I even trying? What is the point? I say that a lot. And uh, God has been very patient with me as I look up to heaven and say, okay, God, what's the point of this? This thing that's going on, this is frustrating. I don't like this. I don't like being stuck in this. What's the point, God? What's the point of this? Well, let's just, let's just admit that feeling stuck makes it hard to have a good attitude. But we will indulge that question for now. We say, what's the point? Well, what was the point of David being in Ziklag? Literally in enemy territory. Turns out 
Just because David was stuck doesn't mean God was stuck. And God is going to do some big things while he's while God is going to do some big things while David is in Ziklag. First Chronicles chapter 12 tells this story from another perspective. It's a kind of a parallel account of what was going on here. And it explains to us that while David was in Ziklag, many, many people from Israel came to join him because many were faithful to the Lord and believed that the Lord had called David to be king and knew that Saul wasn't the right king. And it was pretty obvious from the way Saul was acting that he wasn't the right guy. So many of these faithful people These people who believed in God were flocking to David at Ziklag and were told that some of the mightiest warriors joined David's team while he was in Ziklag. Yes, it was a place he didn't want to be. It was a place he did not choose, yet God used that time to connect him with people who would be very big in his future. If you read some of those passages in the Old Testament that talks about the mighty men of David and all the incredible things they did, some of those mighty men came to him while he was in Ziklag, while he was in exile. I've seen in my life that sometimes when I have been in a, in a very uncomfortable place, that's where I have met some people who've changed my life where I was stuck in a place I didn't want to be, didn't plan to be, and yet I needed to be there. I wonder sometimes if I needed to be there to meet the right people, to meet the people who would be a part of what God was going to do in the future. And I'm so thankful for those folks that I've met during hard times. Because don't you know, somebody who's your friend when everything is bad, that's, that's how you know who's really your friend. You know, the friends that are with you when things are good, those are nice to have. But the folks who stick it out with you through thick and thin and thinner and thinner and thinner, man, those are the folks you can count on. And I've met a lot of people like that during difficult seasons of life. And uh, I wonder if that's why God has let me be in some of those positions sometimes so I can meet some people. I'm thankful for how God has used some stories like that to put recreate church together, okay? We've got sort of an interesting group of people here. I know you're gathered in a parking lot or multiple parking lots right now, and, and some of you have kind of become a part of this since we've been outdoors and, and don't know all the history. But let me tell you, recreate was one of those things that I, God put together from pieces that, that came from different places and pieces that didn't look like they would fit, but they, they fit. And we have so many people who are a part of Recreate, who have good reasons to be discouraged about church, who've had some bad experiences and reasons to be skeptical about church. I've said from the beginning that we are the church for people who aren't sure they believe in church anymore and for the people who care about people who aren't sure how they feel about church. God has used even some of the negative experiences that people have endured to bring them together. Man, I'm... I'm not happy about negative experiences that people have had in regards to church. I know what it's like to have church hurt. There ain't no hurt like church hurt. But I'm so thankful that God has even used the negative to bring us together, to build something new, to build something different, to build something like we've never seen before, where no matter where somebody comes from, no matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, no matter who they've done it with, they are still welcome they're still wanted, and they're still loved. And we might not get the chance to do that if God wasn't leveraging some of the negative to turn it into a positive. I believe in Romans eight twenty eight, 
that God works all things for the good of those who love him or called according to his purpose, that is true. Now, the things that we want God to work to his purpose, we would rather them be good things. We don't want them to be bad things. But God leverages even the negative things. God is leveraging David being in Ziklag, a place he doesn't want to be, a place he didn't plan to be, but a place he needed to be for the time, for him to build a coalition to do something different. Now, David was not idle when he was in Ziklag. He and his he and his men, his military force, they were going out and campaigning. Now, the king of Gath assumed that David would want to attack Israel. After all, Israel had treated him like an enemy, especially King Saul. The king of Gath, the leader of the Philistines, assumed that David would go out and fight against towns in Israel. But that's not what he did. David went out and fought against the enemies of Israel, the the, uh, I'm gonna, I wrote these names down so I could get them right. The Geshurites, the Gerizites, and the Amalekites. That's who he was fighting with. These are allies of the Philistines. And David had to be careful not to leave any survivors to go tell the story. <laughs> because um, when the king of Gath would talk to him and say, Hey, David, where, where have you been campaigning lately? And David would kind of like him and haw and like, well, uh, you know, like when you're trying to get a straight answer out of a kid when they don't really want to answer you or out of a grown up and like, oh, well, hmm, I, you know, I've been over there in, uh, oh, well, over there in the southern part of Israel somewhere. That's all. And that was, well, pretty deceptive. But uh, David didn't let him know that he was fighting against the allies of the Philistines. So, In this way, David, even though he was exiled from Israel, even though he was in a place he didn't want to be, didn't plan to be, it's a place where he needed to be because he was fighting against the enemies of Israel so that when he was king, the southern border there would have been made secure and would have been ready for him to, you know, to have secure borders in his kingdom. So you might be stuck in a place where you don't want to be. Please do not assume that it is wasted time. God can work in your life to make you ready for what's coming next. And he often does that through days of struggle and, you know, a season. This might be a season where you move closer to God so you'll be ready. Uh, God does some of his best work when you're stuck. About five years ago, I had to have emergency surgery. That was not fun. I had to have emergency surgery. I was flat on my back in the hospital did not want to be there at all. And yet in that moment, it was like, it suddenly hit me. Hold on. For once in my life, I don't have anything I'm supposed to be doing right now or nothing I could do. There was nothing I could do. All I could do was lay there. Normally all the responsibilities that I have, I couldn't do any of them at the time. I didn't have any way to do any pastoral ministry. I just had to lay there. And for a short amount of time, that frustrated me badly. But then it's like I realized, wait a minute, I, I don't have to be worried about anything right now. I can just enjoy the presence of God. So I laid there in that hospital bed enjoying the presence of God. I guess with a big stupid smile on my face, they probably thought it was the drugs they gave me from the surgery. But those had worn off by that point, I promise you. you know, they'd worn off and I was in my right mind. I'm just laying there, just praising the Lord and feeling pretty good. And it was wonderful. 
And it was only when I got knocked flat on my back that I could kind of appreciate having the, the time to just focus on God and enjoy His presence. It was where I, I didn't want to be there. I didn't plan to be there, but I needed to be there in the moment. So David, that's where he's at. He's stuck in a place he didn't want to be. He didn't plan to be, and yet that's where he needed to be. And God is at work. So let's read 1 Samuel 29. You can kind of skip chapter 28. Go back and read that sometime. It is a crazy ghost story. And somewhere we have that. I preached on that a couple years ago. We might have a podcast on that. That's crazy, but we're not going to cover that today. 1 Samuel 29 starts out like this. Then the Philistines gathered all their armies at Aphek, and the Israelites encamped by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed in review by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed in rear view, uh, passed in review at the rear with Achish. Achish is the name of the king of Gath. Then the princes of the Philistines said, "What are these Hebrews doing here?" So let me kind of parse this out for you. Um, the time had come when the Philistines were going to march to war against Israel. And the king of Gath asked David to come along and be a part of the fight. He is assuming the whole time that David would want to fight against Israel. He doesn't understand that this whole time he's been fighting against Israel's enemies and hasn't fought against Israel yet. So now David is kind of stuck in a spot. He is expected to be on the Philistine side in this battle that's about to happen. So what's he going to do? Well, when they all line up, to march off to war, some of the Philistine commanders look and say, hey, what's David doing here? Isn't he an Israelite? Isn't that the people? Wait a minute. David, he's the one they used to write songs about, aren't they? Songs about killing Philistines. You know that song they wrote about David? Saul has slain thousands and David tens of thousands. That was about David killing Philistines. I don't think we want this guy. What happens when we go to battle against Israel and David joins the side of the Israelites? So the other Philistine commanders, they were complaining, and you can kind of see where they were coming from. The king of Gath, he speaks to David, and he says more or less, hey, David, I trust you, but these other leaders, uh, they don't want you here. Maybe it's best that you go back. And that is exactly what David and his men did. They needed to go back because David didn't really want to fight against Israel. He didn't want to compromise his values. He believed in Israel. He wanted to be the king of Israel. God had called him to lead Israel, not to a attack it. So he, he turned back and he was spared from having to fight against his people. God worked that out. Now the Philistine army went forth and they went to battle against Israel and defeated Israel. King Saul was killed. He was killed in this battle. So now uh, David thankfully was pulled out of that battle so he couldn't be accused of trying to attack Saul because he said the whole time that he didn't want to attack Saul. That he, he didn't want to turn against the Lord's anointed, but everyone could see that David was being raised up to be king, not because of his own scheming or fighting, but because God was raising him up. David, he was stuck in Ziklag, but he knew God wasn't stuck. The next time he enters Israel, it will be as king. So David spent so many years stuck among his enemies, chased by enemies, surrounded by enemies, surrounded by struggles, not having a regular place to live. It was tough, this position that David 
was in. And he, first he was chased around by Saul, and then he literally lived in enemy territory among the Philistines. And he was so used to the idea of being among enemies that when he wrote his most famous song, he included a line about it. You've heard Psalm 23, haven't you? The 23rd Psalm. That's maybe the psalm that more people can recite than any other. That's remembered as the shepherd psalm, but listen to how the imagery changes halfway through. All right, check this out. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now see the change here. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Did you catch that line in verse 5? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David understood what that meant. In the imagery of the Old Testament, a table, sitting at a table for a meal, was a symbol of protection and provision. In that culture, a dinner guest at your house was to be protected with the same tenacity with which you would protect a member of your family. You think of someone who's in your family that you love and you would do anything and fight any battle to rescue. That's what you were supposed to do with any guest at your table. And David is reminding us that we're in the family of God. We are guests at his table. And he's there to help us and defend us and lift us up and protect us. So even in the midst of enemies, he is showing us hospitality. We are told that this table is prepared It took planning and forethought and purpose. If you're stuck in a situation, if you're surrounded by troubles or surrounded by actual enemies, understand this, that God does have a plan and can bring good things out of it. I'm not saying that God is the one who orchestrated the negative things to happen, but I'm saying he is the God who brings the positive out of the negative. He is there for you. It can become a time of purpose. God does his best work when we feel stuck. It's prepared for us, specifically for us, and it's prepared in the presence of our enemies. The imagery here is really weird, y'all. You know, normally you think of a table being set inside a house and, you know, in a, or in, inside of some protected structure, but this is in the middle of enemies, which some commentators believe means he's talking about a table, a table of feasting being set up in the middle of an active battlefield. Now, that sounds weird to me. But most people who are in a battle aren't going to stop to eat, let alone sit down at a table. But the guests at the table of God are under his protection. So that even when we're surrounded by enemies and troubles and struggles, even we're in a place we didn't plan to be and don't want to be, God can take care of us right there, even in the middle of enemy territory. I don't know if you thought about it, but we live in the midst of enemy territory every moment of our lives if you're a follower of Jesus. We know that God is the sovereign. He's the king of the universe. He's the rightful king of all things. But for a period of time, he has allowed Satan to have power here on this earth. 
Satan is called by several titles that suggest that, that he has a lot of power on this earth and that right now this world is under his sway. And do we really have to look at the news that hard and watch what people do that hard to wonder if maybe that's the, the case? This is a world that the devil is influencing. So every day that you live as a follower of Jesus, as a believer, you live in the presence of enemies. But God is the one who spreads a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And he's there for us, and he will help us through our difficulties right in the middle of our mess. David's story demonstrates to us again and again that even if you're in a place where you feel stuck, where you didn't plan to be, where you didn't want to be, that might be where you need to be for the moment, for God to work in your heart and work in your life and to prepare you for the better things that are coming. If you, still, if you feel stuck in anything, in a job, in a relationship, in a house, in an area, in, in, at work, at school, wherever you feel you are stuck in health, remember, just because you feel stuck doesn't mean God is stuck. God don't get stuck. He's at work, y'all. And I want us to pray right now that God would give us the faith to trust that he is working even while we're waiting, that while we feel stuck, he's not stuck. We need to remember that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that even in those days where we feel stuck, you are not stuck. You are at work. You're preparing things. You're helping us make connections with people who will be a part of our future. You're helping us win victories right now that will be a part of a better future. Lord, we pray that you'll give us faith to trust you when we feel stuck, when we feel we're around enemies, or when we're in the place we didn't plan to be or want to be. God, thank you so much for Jesus who gives us a new lease on life. Jesus, who makes us part of your family So we know that even if we're in a battlefield, we can sit at your table and feast with you. God, I want to pray for everybody who is receiving this message now and for me too, that you'd be with us to encourage us in days when we're down. We give you the glory, Lord, and we pray that you'll make us witnesses to this community, to our families and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for being a part of what we do. If you want to know more about who we are, what we stand for, if you want to find out how to, how to give or where to find old messages, you can go to recreatechurch.org. That's got all our information there. You guys take care. Have a beautiful, wonderful Sunday. I know a few weeks ago we had some people help put things up, and we do have some stuff to put up this week. If anybody wants to help carry some of our things in, it's a big help to me. Just do me this favor. If you carry stuff in, we're going to take it all the way to the front room and and put it in the area of the stage because we got to work on that kids area because we want to have some kids ministry happening pretty soon because uh, we, we have some kids who are ready to get back in there and have some fun and learn about Jesus. So God bless you guys. We'll catch you next time.